Welcome to Maiden Speech. I'm your host, Monica Ferguson, self-worth and mindset coach and portrait photographer from New Zealand. And you are in the right place to get uplifted, empowered and inspired. I'm so lucky to have amazing guests come on and share their wisdom about all things related to personal development and being the best version of ourselves. I'm really passionate about reminding people that they are good enough and to have honest and vulnerable conversations where we connect on a real level and have lots of laughs. You can find me on Facebook at at Monica Ferguson Coaching, where you can join my group for extra inspiration. And I'm also on Instagram at Mon 3.0. Thanks so much for being here and please reach out and connect. I would love to hear from you. Let's get into it. Hello friends, welcome back to my latest episode of Made in Speech, you with Monica Ferguson. And today's podcast is a little bit random, I'm not going to lie. When I started this podcast, I really wanted it to be as if you were sitting with my friends and I having a coffee date with us. And that is exactly what happened with this conversation. I had an incredible guest in Ashley Raju, and her story is so powerful. She leads from the heart with absolute authenticity, vulnerability. She is a South Asian therapist, and she is a trauma and sexual violence in South Asian communities researcher. Try and say that 10 times fast. (laughs) But enjoy this conversation, guys, all about identity and belonging and all of those things. It'll be the first conversation of many. Let me know what resonates, guys. Hope you're having a great week. See you soon. So I think that's such a good opening. Like, I've got no filter. I'm like, awesome. I'm just going to kick back, relax, (laughs) watch the show. I should have brought some popcorn, see what she comes up with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even I don't know. That's the fun of it, though. This is the fun. Where will we go? Who knows? Um, But welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So this is going to be such a cool chat. So just for context, everyone who's listening, um, Ashley and I have known each other for a little while now, and we basically got into this rant, as you do when you get around passionate people (laughs) in a car park, and it's always when you've got like two minutes and you get into a rant that's like a three-hour conversation, right? (laughs) And so we were like, right, we need to like funnel this into a podcast. So here it is. Um, So this chat is going to be, in theory, focused around this concept of belonging, which Mm -hmm. I'm actually really keen to chat about because I did a um I wrote a little blog and a I did a live a couple of weeks ago about this thing of not feeling like I belong mm-hmm. and it was like everyone just went oh me too and it's like mm-hmm. yeah, because it's like one of those taboo things like that like everyone yeah. feels that but we don't talk about it it's up there with yeah. like mental health you know whenever you start talking about depression anxiety as much as I don't like the labels but it's like when you give people permission that it's actually okay to feel these things. It's like everyone's in the same boat, but we just don't talk about it. So super excited to have you here. Um, And first things first, I would actually love to hear a little bit about you um, Mm -hmm. and like a bit more about your story and and everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So a little bit about me. Um, Hi, I'm Ashley. Um, I am currently a counsellor and I am completing a research project. on the journey to well-being for South Asian immigrant women survivors of sexual violence. Um, it's a very, it's a very heavy topic, um, yeah. but it is really, really enlightening and also really empowering. Uh, I run Maharani Movement, which is um, on so that's on Instagram. So my my mission at the moment is to kind of build this community for South Asian. Um, women mostly but I don't want to limit myself Um, yeah just to kind of have a space where we can show up authentically and talk about the taboo topics the things we're not allowed to talk about um, and kind of really just break our culture of silence in South Asian culture yeah Yeah, so that's that's kind of me in a nutshell I guess (laughs) It's so good. Oh, I feel like you're like the Southeast Asian version of me. So it's like, it's like, it's about time. I'm so glad we met. It was so like, honestly, when I met you, it was so one of those, this was meant to be type situations, Mm -hmm. I thought. Um, Okay, so I'm going to ask a really ignorant question. So please excuse my ignorance, but I'd love to hear from you what you've noticed, like what you've observed in terms of the difference. Because like what I observe 
is that everyone really struggles to come out and speak about these things. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, like to learn a bit more about um, Southeast Asian culture, especially mm-hmm. in terms of like women having a voice and being able to come forward. Like what are the differences that you've found between say Kiwi women? Oh, so much, so freaking much. Um, so a lot of South Asian cultures are honor based cultures. And so what that means is, you know, in West, I guess in Western culture, honor is kind of like a, a quality, a value that everyone possesses. But in South Asian culture, honor is actually a possession that's either given to you if you behave in the right ways and the ways that are socially accepted. But if you speak out about things we're not allowed to talk about or, you know, behave in a way, especially as a woman, if you behave in a way that's not acceptable, then that honour is replaced with shame, with shadow. Mm-hmm. And so honour becomes a possession that you either have or is taken away from you. And so, and you know south south asian culture and the patriarchy how it works with this honor based system is that women are the carriers of tradition and apparently our honor lives in our body but it's not just our own honor that lives in our bodies it's also our family's honor that lives in our bodies so we are because we're a collective culture you know we very much family is the is the base unit as opposed to the individual and so everything that you do is a reflection of of your family. Um, so I guess what that what that really means is that when you're out in the world, you're a representative of the of the family you come from. And whatever you do, whatever you say, how you act, all comes back to the family. Mm-hmm. And so there is this this idea that women are the carriers of this family, I guess, honor. And then men are the protectors of this honor, which is which is where I guess a lot of gender-based violence comes in because um, for for a man to kind of be violent, be aggressive, in order to dominate the woman is seen as a social responsibility. And so, yeah, you get this, this thing of the woman is a possession of the man. And that's why in South Asian culture, so many of us girls, we're raised with this idea of, you know, you need to be this and this and this and be quiet and be able to do all these things so that when, you're, when you come of age, you can be married and represent our family's honor. Um, and so what happens is for women who speak out or, you know, act in a way that's not acceptable, that actually affects their chances of getting married, but also affects the chances of their sisters getting married, of their siblings getting married. So it is very much intertwined. You know, you can't really... Yeah, so I guess to as a South Asian woman, to stand up and speak out is sometimes to risk being ostracised from your communities or silenced from your families because it's the family's name at risk. Whoa, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. So, yeah, in that way, it's very different to Western society. And I feel like um, this is this is where I get really frustrated because the sense, I guess, the sense of self is very different in Western um, culture than it is in South Asian culture. And what I find is that getting South Asian communities into therapy. Mm-hmm. And therapists using kind of these individualistic models of healing, really focusing on the sense of self around, you know, what you do, how you act. Um, that's, that's really different. And so that's why a lot of South Asian people kind of drop out of therapy is because it doesn't acknowledge the importance of relationships. Yeah, far out. Um, and it's interesting too, like just listening to you, it's almost like you could replace the word honor with value. So it's like your honor comes from this, but your value actually comes from what everyone yep. else tells you that you are. Yeah. So when we can't, you know, to if we bring it back to my baby, like self-worth, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's like you would have zero because actually yep. your worth is dependent on other people's opinions of you. And mm-hmm. actually your worth comes from your ability to be married basically. Yeah, 100%. And oh my gosh. Um, the thing that I've really been learning about in, in the sexual violence literature, um, as I'm doing my research, is like, 
if you don't have your even in the way in the discourse in the way that south asian women speak about their experiences of sexual violence they will use the phrase meri izzat lutki which means my my honor was taken from me but also means you know i wasn't able to protect my own honor and so even the way that they talk about these experiences the blame is on themselves for not mm. being able to protect their honor as opposed to the the other person who has abused them and has taken this from them it, it, you know even looking at the language we don't even have words for sexual violence um for sexual abuse all of these things you know we don't have words for it because the way that we describe it is that some, i wasn't able to protect something being taken from me so yeah imagine how that affects self worth wow this is yeah. taken such a different direction but i'm so <laughs> glad like i'm so glad because like thank you so much for sharing this it's so important for us to understand like mm -hmm. it's so important and you know as a coach who like i wouldn't actually know I wouldn't know that about mm -hmm. someone, you know, I would, yeah. I would actually be like, okay, this is what we do with everyone. But to actually have that understanding of, um, you know, the sense of self-worth often, you've got to know who you are. You've got to, mm -hmm. but if you don't, if you've only ever been what everyone else told you to be, yep. that's such an important distinction. Yeah. Wow. I read this really um, interesting, actually, um, bit of literature that kind of compared the, formation and maintenance of a western woman's identity and a hindu woman's identity and pretty much the sum of it was a western woman's identity is formed and maintained through their ability as you know from being toddlers from their ability to make choices make decisions make their own decisions and then learn from either successes or failures. So it is this identity that's formed based on being allowed to make choices for yourself. Mm -hmm. But a Hindu woman's um, sense of identity is actually an identity based on adjustment. And that freaking blew my mind when I read that because we, um, we're kind of, we're Hindu women, are raised to kind of care so deeply about what other people think of them. And so, yeah, our identity is formed not from being allowed to make choices based on what we want and what we need, but rather putting the needs of our families, of our communities before our own needs. And that, that really shook me because I have really seen that um, in my community as these women who are constantly adjusting, constantly keeping quiet, knowing you know i can i can speak here but i can't speak here all of those restrictions is it, it's really hard when it comes to self-worth and that sense of belonging because mm. you know like you you need to be able to be authentic to belong but if you're not able to speak your mind share your needs share your desires share your wants that might be different to what your family want or your community want you're not able to express that. And so how do you feel like you belong? Far out. That was a quotable. I just had to write that down. <laughs> Back up. Okay. So actually first things first is we're going to change. If you're happy to roll with us, I think we should change the theme of this podcast into identity. Oh yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Cause it's like, yeah, it's just like listening to you speak about this. I'm learning so much and I think there's so much to learn from actually discussing this, you know? Mm. Um, and because like identity and belonging kind of go hand in hand anyway. Absolutely. We could probably give this a, a thousand different titles, you know, mm -hmm. but um, I love what you just said then. You need to be able to be authentic to belong. Yeah. That is so good. I have goosebumps. Like, <laughs> isn't that so beautiful though? Oh. 100% and it's funny because I I understand that now but you, you've read a lot of Brene Brown's work right obviously <laughs> um, and when she talked about Maya Angelou's quote of you are only free when you realize that you belong no place you belong every place no place at all at all the price is high the reward is great um, and just like her I was really angry when I when I read that first because I was like, 
what is this rubbish? What is this nonsense? <laughs> um, but the more I've learned more about my own identity, including my different cultural identities, because I am a Kiwi, Fijian, Indian woman, like that's so many different groups that I belong to. Um, and I was really lost. But then over time, I started realizing, holy shit, that actually means knowing myself enough, knowing my identity enough to know that I belong to myself first, which will then allow me to belong anywhere I go. But without mm -hmm. belonging to myself first, how can I fit in anywhere? How can I be anywhere? Oh, too many quotables. <laughs> I need to go back and write them all down. I love that without belonging to myself first how can I you know it's like that's so true how can you fit in anywhere until you actually belong to yourself and I feel like that is the most important point that we've had so far I mean everything's important obviously. <laughs> but like that thing of you've got to belong to yourself first I mean that's where your identity comes from doesn't it it has to come from you you have to decide this is who I am this is how I behave. These are the sorts of relationships I have. This is what I feel that I'm here for. Like These are you, my values. It, it's a choice, right? You yeah. decide, you choose, not someone else has like projected that onto you, mm -hmm. who they think that you should be. Um, yeah. So, cause how long have you been in New Zealand? I was born and raised here. Yeah. I did live in Fiji for two years when I was a kid, but we, we came back. Um, but yeah you know, like coming back to my Fijian Indian, no, Kiwi Fijian Indian identity, um, for so long I didn't belong, right? Because I was so ashamed of my identity because I was trying to fit into, you know, I guess my, fit in with my Kiwi peers, fit in in the Western world. And so I held a lot of shame around my own cultural identity. Mm. But, and then also because I'm not actually a traditional Indian woman, like I'm far from a traditional Indian woman. Yeah. I was... <laughs> You know, yeah, like right. my mum, my mum is a freaking badass Indian woman. And so like, I was just raised with, I guess, slightly different norms than possibly other, other families that I know. And so that was really hard for me because I was like, well, Kiwi, but I'm not Kiwi like my other Kiwi friends. I'm Indian, but I don't seem to be Indian like the other Indian peeps. I'm Fijian Indian, but do I really get to claim Fiji as mine? Because my, you know, my, my ancestors come from there, but mm. I, I don't really have much to do with Fiji. So am I allowed to claim all these different parts? And I think especially this year, this year has probably been the biggest year for me in terms of like recognizing, actually, I get to decide what it means to be a Kiwi Fijian Indian woman for myself. You know, no one else gets to put me in a box because, like, they tried, but, like, I ain't fitting in nobody's box. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, I've just spent, what, 26 years trying to be like, okay, um, I have to fit into someone else's kind of criteria for being a Kiwi, Fijian, Indian woman. And then it's only this year where I'm like, nah, fuck that. Fuck all of it. <laughs> like, I get to decide what being Indian means to me. I get to decide what being um, like a, a Western Indian woman means to me. Nobody else. And because that doesn't fit into the traditional Indian woman box, I'm only going to make myself so sick trying to fit into a box that wasn't ever made for me. Yeah. Oh, I love this stuff so much because I so resonate with this. Like, firstly, I just wrote that down. I get to decide. I think that's so important for everyone to reflect on that you actually mm -hmm. get to decide because I think it doesn't matter if you're, you know, like all these different things or if you were like a white woman raised in New Zealand. It's like all of us have the same issue where, um, like we're not really sure where we belong or we're not really sure who we are. And it's like that decision of I get to decide is the, mm -hmm. like the turning point, right? It's like you're, you're looking within as opposed to looking to everyone else to tell you. Yes. Yes. You're no longer yeah. seeking that external validation, but turning inwards into like that sacred place within you to be able to go, Hey, this is me. This is mine. This is what I believe in. These are my values and this is how I'll live my life. Yeah. And I love this. It's like flowing on so beautifully from my last podcast, which, and I just actually posted a quote today from it, which was, um, Superman's power, Superman's personal power was totally different to Batman's. And that like, you know, you become successful, you become, 
yourself, you become unique, you find your identity by figuring out who you are, like, and what makes you, you, it's not actually about trying to fit in with everyone else, because it's craziness when you actually think about that. Like we're literally born one of a kind. Yeah. Like no one else has ever existed with our fingerprint, nor will they yep. ever exist. And we're yep. all trying to be like each other when we were literally born to be one of a kind. Yeah. To, to be able <laughs> to like create this world with different perspectives, different stories. That's what makes us us, right? Yes. But we're so scared to kind of own our stories, own who we are and what is important to us for fear of, not belonging yes. not being accepted yeah yeah oh I love this so much and like as a as a story for people in terms of me like in my own life I remember um like I always knew that I was a bit different like in a good you know I always knew that I didn't quite fit in at school like I didn't really have many friends and stuff I was always the kid that like did all the work at school and I was like top of the class and stuff uh-huh. and like I was saying to my coach yesterday when I was like five I would come home from school and willingly do my homework like I'd walk in the door I'd sit down and I'd pull out my book bag and do all my homework oh and, I know and like whereas you know my brother was just like vanished like you had to tie Mm -hmm. him to the chair kind of thing but with me it was like I always had this knowing that what I did now was going to impact my future like I always had that feeling of like I'm here for something big yeah but yeah and I I remember even as a little kid thinking "Mm, I'm here for something big but I never figured out what it was right and like even to be able to say that out loud took me so long right because oh then all the other other stuff kicks in like tall poppy what will people think yes all that bullshit um yep and it's like, it's crazy. So what happened was like, as I went through my journey, you know, like you look back and you see how all of these things perfectly fit together, you know, like to get you to where you need to be. Like, I love that Steve Jobs quote, you can't connect the dots looking forward. But from where we are now, you can look back and see how all oh. these things, like the people that you need just appeared, those opportunities, boom, that job appeared, that opportunity. And you're like, that's magic. Like you can't make that up, you know? And like, so for me, like all my experiences with, you know, mental illness, quote unquote, within myself and um, grief and like my, like the passing of my brother and domestic violence and all that stuff and working mm-hmm. for five years in mental health. And it was my, my clients that got me into photography and like, and then that led me into this thing about self-worth, right? And then my coach said to me, you are a coach, Monica. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she said, can you imagine doing what you do, but without a camera? And I was like, Yes, actually, because it's it's the self-worth, it's the inner work, it's the giving people permission to know that they are enough. That's the work, you know, it's not pushing the shutter on the camera. Yeah. And um and so it's like as I was kind of forming that identity of like who am I, I so struggled with this. Like, oh, you know, um and in the beginning I was just like, Oh my gosh, well I don't I don't want to call myself a life coach because I don't like that phrase at all. It sounds boring to me. That's not what I do. <laughs> what I do is transformation, it's fiery, it's passion. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not like let's discuss your goals, like that makes me want to vomit, you know? Uh-huh. Um uh-huh. and stuff, like, oh um <laughs> but so then I realized though that actually the fact is that I am a self-worth coach. That's what I've been doing for so long, that's what I do. Uh-huh. Like, so imagine if I just started owning that. And I love that what you're talking about owning your story. And then it's like, guess what? How many other self-worth coaches do you know? How many other people do you know who specifically discuss self-worth? You know, mm-hmm. not many. It's like, that's because that's my superpower. Like that's what yeah. makes me different. But it's like actually being okay with that. No one else is doing that. And so mm-hmm. then all the imposter syndrome and all that stuff kicks in. And it's like, I love that we can talk about this because it's so important that we discuss that. Just just because you see a podcast online doesn't mean that everyone's like sitting there thinking, oh yeah, I'm the man. Like I smash this stuff. Like I'm an expert. Everyone's, every before every podcast, even now I sit there and I think, Whew. And then I listen back to it and I'm like, these are awesome. But I, I always have that moment of like, oh, and then I remember you know, you, you don't know who's listening, who's going to listen yeah. to this and, and that we will give them permission to be like, actually, I'm going to rock that because this is my superpower, you know? Yeah. But it's like, yeah. it's just the inner stuff, the dialogue that comes up and the fear it's a of shame, me. right? Yes, it is. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you think you can do this? You know, it's all shame. Oh my God, that's so, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, and that's where the shame spiral comes. And like, you know, when I was hosting the Brown Babes Unite podcast, that was so terrifying because the vulnerability hangover from that would last days, if not weeks, because 
yeah again the who do you think you are other you know like do you want other people to think that you think you're better than them do you want other people to think that your way is the right way all of that you know and it and it stops you from actually embracing your true potential because of tall poppy syndrome right oh honestly it's it's crazy like i didn't actually realize how significant that was until I started working as a coach. Mm. And, you know, the, the biggest fears that come up for people are around comparison. I'm not as good uh-huh. as that person down the road. Mm-hmm. And, and people, often it's, um, it's the family and the people who don't understand that kind of entrepreneurial spirit yeah. who are yeah. like, why would you risk that? Why would you do that? Like, what if it doesn't work? They're very, yeah. you know. Heart- you need to have the nine to five job. Yeah. Security, <laughs> da, 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 da. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's that. interesting because <laughs> as you were as you were talking about that, what really came up for me again is like I'm going to make another comparison between like Western culture and possibly Indigenous cultures. Is you look at Western cultures and you meet someone, and the way you introduce yourself is, "Hi, this is my name. This is my title. This is what I do." Yes. You look at the way Indigenous people connect. It's What's your name? Who are your people? What land do you come from? What mountain is important to you? What river is important to you? Mm. So it's less about your title and what you do. It's more about what is of value to you. And I think that's something I really struggle with in Western culture is because I have to get into this, especially in like group scenarios or networking or meeting people, you know, like I have to have like, okay, this is my spiel. I'm Ashley. I'm a counselor i'm doing a research project i run mahadani movement and actually like i don't like defining myself like that i'm like okay i am an authentic brown babe who is doing this research that is so deeply personal to me and important to me because it's bigger than just me and i i refuse to i refuse to pass this shit on to my children and that is how i identify myself Imagine if for one day we all just answered like that, like the actual truth. Oh, mm. imagine that you go to a wedding and someone's like, oh, hey, what do you do? And you just like unleash this rant about like, I'm saving the world, like I'm da-da-da-da. And mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> yeah, are blowing back off your face, you know. But I love that so much. And just then when I was thinking about, um, yeah, like at school, you know, and you learn te reo and stuff and you learn about, you know, your mountain and um, your river and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you're actually, you know, the word that comes up is belonging. It's where you belong. Yeah. It's about it's where you 100%. belong. percent. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and your identity is actually about your belonging. It's not about the, the job that you have, which is so yeah. ego based, isn't it? Like, yep. it's what the ego is about, what you, what you do, what you have and what other people think about you. It's like. But no one asks you, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's also very much that individualistic thing, right? Of like, this is is who I am. This is how I bring value. So listen to me because what I do... Um, what I do results in my value that makes me valid and allowed to stand here in front of you right now. It's like, to me, it's just really weird. And like, I find that when I meet people... I don't actually give a damn about what you do. I want to know what, what are you passionate about? What do you care about? Where do you come from? What do you fight for? That's yeah. what I want to know. Yeah. Do you make people uncomfortable all the time? Uh, yeah. Same. <laughs> I do too. They're like, they're talking about the weather and I'm like, tell me your biggest dream. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. like, I don't do small talk. Okay? Yeah, I hate small talk. I really do. I really struggle. Like in that way, I'm not really a people person i guess well you're not like a superficial thing that's the thing where we go in for the kill like we're yeah. in for but the it can real. be very very intimidating and it can be very um it can come across quite threatening sometimes especially if people aren't i guess aren't ready to kind of sit with that vulnerability because what i find is that you know, being vulnerable is where I feel most comfortable because then I feel like I'm not hiding anything. I'm being transparent. I'm showing another person in front of me that it's safe for them to be authentic and vulnerable with me because I have no shame in being authentic and vulnerable in front of them. But, you know, there's still like a little dance that you do because you've got to give a little before you can take a little. Um, So easing people into that space because otherwise, you know, they'll just shut down. Yeah. They'll shut down and they'll run away and they won't face you. Yeah. 
I love that so much. And I think that is something that understanding is what creates a great leader. Like I realized this with um, just observing like in the business world, you know, when I was just doing photography and what I observed was that like in this networking group, there were heaps of other photographers and they would all come and go, come and go, come and go. And I stayed for five years and I just got all these referrals and stuff. And I was like, what am I doing differently to all these other people? Mm-hmm. And what I noticed was that when you go online, if you come onto my social media, I have videos of me talking. I share vulnerable stories. I talk about my inspiration with my brother and that's why I wanted to create photographs. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I go first and that's yeah. exactly what you're just saying about, yeah, you have what to has- go first. You have to be willing to go first and because people will trust you, but it's like, you can't just wait for people to come to you. And that's what so often like as photographers go, often photographers are photographers because they want to hide behind a camera but it's like if you're inviting if you're expecting someone to trust you to drop their guard down to confront themselves effectively yeah. which is what we're asking you better be willing to do it first what see I, lo- <laughs> I love what you just said because that is actually one of my mottos for counseling for myself is I'm not prepared to ask a client to do something that I am not willing to do myself yeah. which is why I'm constantly throwing myself into all all sorts of things for the experience, but also so that I can have that gen, like that genuine sense of empathy for them, knowing how hard it is. Because, you know, again, like I'm not willing to ask someone to do something that I haven't been willing to do myself. That's not fair. That's not partnership. Yeah, a hundred percent. So good. Okay, so if we just bring it back a little bit to the concept of identity, right? Mm-hmm where do you even begin like and if we're looking at all women let's say all like all women in New Zealand right now mm-hmm. um where do you even begin to start to actually form an identity mm. boundaries <laughs> oh yeah love it yeah it's boundaries well for me I think it's boundaries because when you start paying attention to your boundaries you start recognizing emotions right oh, I feel angry at this thing. Oh, I wonder what part of that made me angry. Oh, shit, I think I might have a boundary there. Cool, now I know for next time to to articulate that boundary so that I don't have this experience again, but also can use it to learn something about myself. And so if you go through all these little processes of noticing which emotions come up, um, possibly, you know, what they were trying to tell you because your body, you, your body knows everything. Your body, you know, so often, and especially in Western culture, it's mind first, then body, when actually the body guides the mind. So let's listen to it, yeah. you know, because our body will tell us emotional boundaries, energetic boundaries, physical boundaries, all of these boundaries. And once we recognize what our own boundaries are, we can start saying them to other people, which mm-hmm. then help us understand what our values are. Oh, this is a boundary for me. I'm not okay doing that. Um, Apparently, this is a value of mine. So perhaps next time when we interact, maybe we could kind of go about it this way or, you know, even recognizing a boundary of actually, I don't have the capacity to do that right now. But, you know, maybe so something I do for myself, little tangent, something I've done for myself this year is if someone needs to speak to me, we either go out for a coffee or they meet me and we take the dog for a walk because that's one of my boundaries is recognizing that I can't just give and give and give. So going for a dog walk that at least like allows me to tick needing to dog walk the dog off my list. Also, the, the place we walk is where I recharge. It's where the sun shines. I can feel the, the wind in my face. I can smell the ocean and I've got all the greenery around me. So it's got the four elements. So that's where I go to recharge. And so for me, I feel like even when I don't have a huge amount of capacity, just being in that environment allows me to be able to genuinely give. Mm. But it, it comes down to that boundary 
of, you know, last year I would have made myself, I mean, I have made myself so sick by not knowing my boundaries and just giving and giving and giving. But this year making that choice for myself. And even like if it comes to having a coffee with someone, I will actually say, hey, look, I can't actually meet you in a cafe that's super busy. Can we go somewhere where there's outdoor seating? because I want to be able to give my full attention to you instead of getting, because I'm a highly sensitive person, I get really overstimulated. And I'm like, I don't want to be overwhelmed and then not be able to give you undivided attention because you deserve that. And so meet me halfway. These are my boundaries. And what I found, especially this year, is I'll go have a coffee with people and then afterwards they'll be like, oh my God, I've never thought of, you know, I've never thought of doing it like that. That's such a good idea. I actually feel really great right now instead of really tired and exhausted and my ears hurting. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, values, right? It's one of my values. If I can give, but I also need to receive. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. And I think um, one thing I'd like to add on as well to that is just like, the, the first thing I do with everyone is always awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the thing. Like if you're going to have boundaries and understand them, you need to have the awareness of what you think, what you feel. And I love that you talk about actually feeling things in your body because like, honestly, how many times has our body said, nah, this is not good. And then you override it and you're like, shit. <laughs> you yeah. And I yep. knew it too. It's like, how many times I... It's amazing. <laughs> well, up until up until last year, well, actually, for the last couple of years, I, oh, okay, I'm going to share this. I have actually been kind of healing from an eating disorder, um, and very recently, I've started recognizing that it was actually an eating disorder, not around, more so around me not knowing my boundaries. And so my nervous system would kind of, I would have this highly activated nervous system. And then I would just start throwing up and not being able to eat, not being able to keep food down, not being able to keep water down. Mm -hmm. And it's been this year that I really started to recognize, holy shit, when I don't respect or uphold my own boundaries, my body is physically ill. Like I will be throwing up and won't be able to stop. But So exactly what you just said of like, my body is telling me something, but I haven't learned to listen. So now I'm learning to listen to my body and oh, the amazing things that like now I can eat food, you know, in social situations by myself, all of the, you know, everywhere, Mm -hmm. but it all comes to like, comes down to my body feeling safe enough to know that I will do what I need to, to protect myself. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Hashtag vulnerability. I love it. <laughs> Honestly, my brain is just going crazy. I'm like, we've got like 10 minutes left. Um, there are, there's room for like 20 more podcasts here. And then also my brain's like, and then the live event that we do, I'm like, yep, yep. We'll talk about yeah. that later. Okay. So let's come back to um, identity. I'm also, I know, I'm also like, how am I going to sum this conversation up? Like, I was like, I don't even know. We'll uh-huh. just say it. it's a bunch of awesome stuff about belonging and identity and hashtag real talk. Well, I feel like I feel like it all kind of comes down and under the umbrella of learning to love yourself, learning about what makes you tick, what is important to you, what are your values, what are the things you're willing to compromise on, what are the things you're not willing to compromise on? What does and if you come from like an ethnic minority, like like myself what does keep being a kiwi fijian indian mean to you rather than what everybody tries to tell you it should be yeah that kind of sum it up under identity <laughs> it just made me more confused but that's all good <laughs> no that's all good um okay so if we do come back to okay so number one is boundaries right when we're forming an identity boundaries what else do you think are the important aspects to that of identity yeah making choices I think um yeah making choices is really hard but I think it, it is linked to boundaries you know if you know what your boundaries are you can make choices and make decisions that align with those boundaries and so you don't feel like you're giving too much or mm. you're not being authentic because again it comes down to knowing yourself well enough to know what you can and won't do yeah yeah and also I feel like 
self-worth is so interlinked with both of them as well because it's like when you make choices when you set boundaries you're sending yourself a message as well about what you're willing to actually um yeah what you're willing to receive what you're worthy of and like at a real basic level so I've just um got into the habit of turning off my notifications on my Mm -hmm. cell phone why because a thousand times a day no matter what was going on I'd get a notification I would respond I'd have that but I need to respond now and I need to put everyone else above myself and drop stop what I'm doing immediately and respond to that when actually no what I what I need to do is be present with what I'm doing and I will get back to that when I have time and the capacity to actually deal with it but just like these little ways and actually I want to add on one which is about like taking your power back Mm -hmm. because um I think that's a huge thing it's like you've got to yeah, you've got to really honor your own time, your own energy, your own space. Yeah. It, it comes back to boundaries, right? They're all connected. Mm-hmm. But um, because otherwise, exactly like you, like going to cafes, actually knowing what you need and then holding to it and not, and it's like, I'm going to get a cliche here, but you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And I'm like, I need a sexier saying than that. But it's like, let it's, me know when you find one. <laughs> yeah. The other day I heard one about like charging up, like, uh-huh. you've got to char- and I was like, that's slightly better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, I think it's so easy. And I think women in general are very good at looking after everyone else and, you know, and I know certainly my coaching clients are like that. It's like, by the time I've looked after the kids and the husband and the house and I've managed all yeah. that stuff, there's nothing left, you know, and it's like, it's a conversation for sure. Yeah. But, and that's Kiwi woman who, uh, you know, so I can only imagine like the actual, you know, canyon that you've yeah. got to jump across as a Southeast Asian woman to even get to that point where you go, actually, I have a right to time for myself. Yeah, yeah, it's that self-sacrificing nature that many of us South Asian women have. Yeah. But actually, on that point, I would just like to point out that that is also a really strong point of resilience for South Asian women yeah. is because we are raised, you know, like, I guess, with that identity of adjustment. It also means that we are raised with damn good interpersonal skills. Yeah, And so that is actually... You know, and that's often something that's either unknown or brushed brushed aside. But actually, building relationships, maintaining relationships—that is our superpower as South Asian women, as brown babes. Mm. Um, that is often overlooked, actually. Yeah, yeah. Just my little side note. <laughs> I love that because right at the start, and I'll show you this. No one else will be able to see it, but I wrote this down. If you can read my doctor's writing. Mm-hmm. belonging equals community that's what yeah. I wrote right at the start um and that is exactly it isn't it yeah that's, that's... And, but it's it's also community is uh, also the people who know you and see you for who you are because life is hard right we have our ups and we have our downs and so we don't always know who we are Because we're all human, you know, like even me um, on this path of self-reclamation, I still have those days, those weeks, those months where I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I don't even know who I am. (laughs) But it's like the people who are my community, who I've been able to be authentic with, they look at me and they remind me, hey, look, I know you're feeling like shit right now, but like, remember remember the struggles you have overcome remember the strength that you have built over the last few years remember who you are remember what's important to you Mm -hmm. so they hold up this mirror to so that I can see who I am when I forget who I am because they're the anchors to my identity they're the anchors you know that's that's my belonging I love that and one thing I want to um highlight there as well community is who you can be authentic with Mm-hmm. Um, which I love because it's so often not like if I actually look at my circle 
like if I was to be friends with people from my school or whatever like I don't speak to anyone from my school uh-huh. like when I find like when I met you for example I was like yes like <laughs> you're in my community you know and it's like all these random cool people that I collect along the way mm-hmm. that you just you can see that spark in them you can see that fire in them that passion it's like yes that's mm-hmm. it and that's exactly what I and I love that you talk about community because like building community is exactly what I'm doing here as well you know I want to create a space for those people because effectively we're all the misfits right yeah because we're the the ones that go against the grain of it and do things differently and it's like but we can actually all find each other and rise together yeah 100% oh I felt that in my bones (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um yeah and it was really funny actually because a couple of so you know with given the state of the world like counseling has been really busy really freaking busy over the last five months and I was feeling really burnt out really wrecked Mm -hmm. and you know so you go down that spiral and I was doing the whole I'm so lonely like I have no friends but that's because like I was doing my counseling I'm doing my research project I'm like drowning under the weight of what is this year and so I went down that shame spiral and then just started feeling really disconnected really isolated really lonely and so I started doing the whole like you know do I even have any friends? Do I even have any people who care? And then slowly, one by one, I like started actually, I brought my thinking brain on, right? I brought my, my, my prefrontal cortex on and I was like, right, is what you're feeling actually true? Well, no, like I'm allowed to feel how I feel, but I don't think rationally this is actually true because I've got my partner, I've got my stepson, I've got my stepson's mum and stepdad, and then take it out, you know, I've got my, my parents, my sister, and then take it out some more. I've got all these friends who have actually helped me become the woman that I am today. So how can I say that I'm alone, nobody cares about me? That's yeah. not true. Yeah. That actually having that, like, compassion with myself to know that you know I'm human I also have these days where I feel like I don't have a community or I don't belong but actually when I when I actually sit back and reflect on the people that I do have in my life who have helped me get to where I am I'm like I definitely have community (laughs) definitely yeah I love that I think that's such an important thing as well that I feel like many of us are are raised to kind of believe that if you feel sad, something's wrong. So you should Mm -hmm. quickly shift that, right? So take it. If you're sad, you're probably depressed. So take an antidepressant or go and go to the pub or go shopping or go and distract yourself with some like boyfriend or whatever, you know? But it's like, I feel like your power so much comes from exactly what you just did. This is exactly what I do as well. Like if I, whatever feeling is coming up, I'll allow myself to feel it. Mm-hmm. but I won't stay there for ages. Like I'm not going to get into a victim state, but I will always allow myself to feel what's coming up because that's true for me. But then I will start to like challenge it. And this is why I love journaling so much for that mm-hmm. exact reason that it gets you from that emotional, like oh, I'm all alone and I'm going to die yeah. alone. And like all the, I'm going to be a cat lady and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then yeah. as you're writing, it's like you start calling yourself out because you're like, this is such a load of crap. Like and you start getting, <laughs> you start get, giving yourself examples of how it's wrong. And it's like, oh yeah, that was just a little like passing wave. That's all good. I'm good now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, that's welcome to humanity, right? That's yeah. like the full range of emotions is what it <laughs> means to be a human. You can't just be stuck in like the happiness bubble. It's, you know, there's, there's the light and the dark. We can't have one or the other. We've got to have both. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And even like, okay, if we actually bring it back to the topic, you can. Oh, <laughs> you're going to have to come up with how I'm going to like introduce this. I'll just like rambles between us. Um, like even as far as like identity goes, right? Like you wouldn't have a sense of belonging if you didn't ever feel the opposite. Cool. Like if you never felt lonely, you would never feel together. You would never, you know, it's like you can't, that's exactly it. You can't have anything unless you've also got the absence of that thing. Yeah. Cause, and then that's, that's how you learn the value or something, right? Yeah. 
you learn to prioritize it or you recognize its importance because you you've either experienced what it's like to live without that thing so you know without the sense of belonging and living only in isolation and if you've gone through that pain and you've recognized it you know you can kind of understand why it is important to to have a community have a group of people to belong to and you seek it out and you prioritize it but if you haven't experienced the other the flip side of it how can you ever learn to prioritize it and then even as far as identity goes like because when you know what you like and you don't like you actually establish your preferences that's how you figure out who you are yeah right? okay yeah. i'm someone who actually really thrives being around people i really value being around people a lot okay so that's actually part of my identity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. boom we worked yeah. it around all the way <laughs> 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 I did tell you that I'm a rambler. <laughs> I love rambles, honestly, because it's all good. It's all stuff that everyone can relate to, and that's the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yep. Being vulnerable, right? That's how we draw out the peeps. <laughs> that's how we draw out the peeps. I love that. I'm writing that down. Maybe that's how, what I should call this. Podcast. Yes. <laughs> no one would have any idea what that's about. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I think that you're definitely going to have to come back because there's much more for us to discuss. I'm actually really curious to hear from you guys listening. What jumped out at you? What's significant for you guys? What um, what has come up for you since listening to this chat? Because I'd love for us to go more into that, what's actually relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, this was such a great chat, Ashley. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. See, I can't do small talk, but I love real talk. I could talk for hours. I know, I'm the same. (laughs) And I'm like all energized now as well. Yeah, (laughs) because it recharges my soul because I'm sitting here, you know, like we're sitting across a screen, but like sharing stories, being authentic. You see me, I see you, you hear me and I hear you. And that's connection, right? That's the, what, connection intervention, I guess, you know? It's like what so many of us actually need is just that connection. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think to actually look at someone mm-hmm. and to look at someone, like we've been talking for almost an hour and there are no cell phones in sight. Yeah. And it's like it makes you feel so good, right? That someone's actually, just to be present with someone. It doesn't even, I think we probably don't even need as much as we think we do, but because most of our relationships happen through, you know, Snapchat and Facebook Messenger, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, as opposed to actually sitting down with a friend or like you go out to make them for coffee and they're on their phone and it's like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not being seen, right? It's not being wholly seen. Totally. Totally. Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much. I so want you to come back really soon. I have loved this. I would love to come back. Yeah, that would be so awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah, but thank you. And I can't wait to see what you create in your community. And yeah, and definitely collaboration. I've got some ideas. I've got some ideas. Ooh, yes. Yes, let's talk. You can get on the world (laughs) domination uh, wavelength. Yeah. Uh, Totally. Yeah, 100%. Let's do it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Ash. I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye.